I mean, the rule for EBI is two hooks and a seatbelt. So um, I just did that upside down. Um, and the reason I do that is I play a lot of what I would call what is typically called high ground, um, which is something Barrett Yoshida started, who's kind of like in our in my brother and I's lineage. And uh, so the idea was to start from basically upside down back control. Um, and I just I have a lot of attacks there and stuff. And it threw a lot of people off. But the funny part is just when you do reverse, try to start in reverse back control with two hooks and a seatbelt, you're essentially just starting in a front head upside down sitting on their neck. Ladies and gents, it is your friendly neighborhood BJJ podcast, Rafa Sparza, coming to you with another great installment of the Grappling Hour. I hope that you guys are having a great day. We have an excellent guest. More on him in a second. But before we get back to our guests, I'd like to tell you this. If you want to support the show, it's a very easy thing to do. You can go on over to Patreon. By the time you see this, we're going to be on Patreon. And you can go support us there. We have another site, but we're going to focus on Patreon for this next month. For five bucks, you could see these interviews 30 days before anybody else. And for a few extra dollars, you could see extra bonus content that's not available anywhere else, including extra episodes or mini-sodes about big topics like steroids or athletes who athletes respected the most when they competed against them. You can also check out Technique Breakdowns with athletes who have just competed, uh, where we go over footage together from their matches. And you can also check out a segment that we like to call Roast Graph, where people roast my competition footage, which, by the way, not the best, but certainly very apt for humor. And I just got a note from uh, Owen O'Flanagan, who says he can't wait to roast my competition footage, which, by the way, nothing makes you feel worse than hearing somebody who is ADCC level tell you really shitty things about your jujitsu. So I'm looking forward to that. All right, so you can check that out. You can also join our YouTube page. You can like, share, and subscribe. And if you have no idea what you want to comment on, we'll give you a comment topic at the very end of this episode. You can also join our Discord for more fun and uh, conversations that we carry off air. And oh my God, what is this? Is this a Grappling Hour t-shirt you can find on rapasparza.com backslash merch? Yeah, just go there. It's $25 right now. And, and... If you're local and you order a hoodie, because we have hoodies, because it's cold, California cold, we can't really, you know what I mean? Like, we're not really, like, cold. But, like, if you want to be trendy and cold, uh, if you're local, you get a bag like this, and you get the new Grappling Hour hoodie. This is running for 45 bucks, a combo with a t-shirt and a hoodie, coming in at $60 at rapasparza.com backslash merch, or you can just go to grapplinghour.com. Either one of those will get some support for the show, and we appreciate it. You're going to see a lot of our friends and athletes wearing them. Our top five folks who had interviews last year got hoodies, and that includes uh, Pardia, got Bobby Winther, Alex Enriquez, really, really solid individuals who had their best interviews. And then the bottom half of our top 10 interviews, they got t-shirts, so you may see some friends wearing them in the near future. All right, enough about this. 
Let's get to our guest. What can I say about this guest? I mean, I've seen his work. I like his work. I'm intrigued by his work because he does things that one, I will never do in competition or training. My body just doesn't do what he does. Number two, he seems to be an intriguing person for a number of reasons. And in watching it, I've been like, who is this guy? How have we not talked yet? And he had an excellent performance at the most recent ADCC Long Beach Open. You wouldn't know it because, you know, there's no record of it. It's almost like it didn't happen, honestly. Actually, you know, I should have told people I fucking won that tournament. It's a fucking great idea. God damn, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I won um, 92 KGs or something. Yeah, that's what I did. It's not even a real category, but I'm going to tell people I won that one. Anyway, you guys know him as Officer Grimy. We here today are going to get to know the real man behind Officer Grimy. One, Jonathan Patrick Wilson. How are you doing, sir? Hey, how's it going? Very well. Now, does it feel weird? Because you can see the branding here. Does it feel weird to actually have your name written out here? And I wondered, I was like, do I go with just Jonathan Wilson? Nah, you got to put three names because you put three names down there. <laughs> well, I like my three names because I actually have six first names. Joe, Nathan, Pat, Rick, Will, and Son. So uh, Son's like more of like... Uh, from like Asian cultures, but it still counts. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's nice to be called uh, Jonathan Wilson. Previously, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time at B Team. I don't even think those guys know my name. They just call me Grimey. Okay, let's get into that. Where does the name Officer Grimey come from? Because it's one thing to be called an officer, and I've seen people kind of have that in their name. But grimy means like, yo, this dude's willing to go the distance and he's about to get into the dirt if you're trying to grapple against him is the interpretation I have. Where does the nickname come from, sir? <laughs> so the story of Officer Grimy is that there isn't really a story. Um, it's actually not even jujitsu related at all. Uh, that's like a, that was just an ID tag name. IG tag name I made in like high school and uh it just never changed okay because when you made that name my first thought was like were you in the military uh <laughs> what what kind of credentials do you have were you captain grimy at some point like there was a whole backstory that i just didn't know where we were going from so you just randomly settled upon this is this akin to when you go on say a video game console and you go i just need a login name um officer grimy like is that where that's coming from because there had to be some kind of inclination that made you say yeah that's what i'm going to be known as <laughs> i don't know i think in high school we just used to call people grimy and stuff and <laughs> it just stuck I, I don't have a good story unfortunately um Usually when someone asks me, I just make up a story, but uh, uh, not this time. I mean, you're on a professional show. I mean, professional. But you, I think you answered what I was going to tell you to do, which is 100% Joker this shit. Like everybody gets a you want to know how you got these scars kind of moment. Like every single time you just make up a new thing based yep. on the person, you do a psychological profile, you go, well, this dude's crazy, so let me out crazy him. Or you do like, oh, this person's afraid of violence. Actually, I got the name Officer Grimy because 
I actually got shot once and I had to stitch up my own leg and it got real, real grimy to the point where I was wondering, am I going to get infections? Am I going to live? Am I not going to be able to see tomorrow? And yet I pursued through it. Anyway, you want to roll now and then see what happens when people go in like, what the fuck is this dude talking about? <laughs> I figure they just assume it's because, you know, I like some of the dirtier techniques. I like a lot of smothers, uh, a lot of other nasty stuff like that. Okay, so you're one of those. But you know what? At least with your name, I don't know that I can complain. I have a guy who he's fought MMA before, and he'll get really annoyed with my nerd tactics because I'm like, I can't beat you on strength or speed. I got to use all these, like, I have to have, like, a diagram to figure out how to beat you, dude. So he'll start throwing in smothers. And what he doesn't know about me is even when I'm on bottom, I'm smothering him back from bottom. Like, fuck you, dude. Don't do that to me. And he's always like, you're in a bad position and you you act like you're not. And I'm like, well, now you change the rules. So the rules of engagement are completely different now. Like once you start smothering me, all bets are off, dude. (laughs) Yeah, everything's legal after that. (laughs) So let me ask this. You mentioned that you do some things that are vaguely unusual, but where I think most people came into contact with you, or at least you got the most meme that, that I've seen of you, is through the reverse EBI settings that you were doing. So please, for those who have not seen or maybe not familiar, explain what it was that you were doing at Main Carry Jiu-Jitsu over time and why you were doing it because you so confused your opponent in a way that I thought was probably one of the funniest reactions of all 2023. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, the rule for EBI is two hooks and a seatbelt. So um, I just did that upside down. Um, and the reason I do that is I play a lot of what I would call, what is typically called high ground. Um which is something Barrett Yoshida started, who's kind of like in our in my brother and I's lineage. And uh, so the idea was to start from basically upside down back control. Um, and I just, I have a lot of attacks there and stuff. And it threw a lot of people off. But the funny part is just when you do reverse, try to start in reverse back control with two hooks and a seatbelt, you're essentially just starting in a front head upside down, sitting on their neck. <laughs> <laughs> It is true. And I, I mean, I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. So I always think of like a reverse Alabama slam. So I'm like, that dude's neck's going to die at some point. Like <laughs> you get worried more about you and then you think about it. And I think it's just because we've indulged so much overtime for EBI in our lives. I've covered a number of them live that I thought, yeah, why the fuck not? Just let him do it. And you could see the argument against it where people go, yeah, no. But I was definitely pro, like, let this fucker do it. Like, 100%, let him do it, and let's see what happens, because why not? Why not? You made that choice, and it's essentially the rules that you are following there. Yeah. I uh, I think if they, they should have let me do it, and uh, if I would have do, done it, I think I would have subbed him, because I don't think he would have known what's going on. Um, I do think EBI is like... It's definitely outdated. That's why people are trying to kind of move away from it a little bit. Um, but if they, if you get to start in regular back, you should also get to start in upside down back. You should get to start in sideways back, which is crucifix as well. 
was this something that you and your brother worked very well with? Like, has he been somebody that you kind of said like, hey, why don't we try this? And when did you first try it? Because to me, I'm too afraid to do it. I think there's too much risk for me. Like I, I definitely, I have a large head. So my neck is very strong, like stupidly strong for no reason. So it's had to support this giant thing. So when people have tried to choke me, they're like, why are you, why are you so strong there? And I'm like, oh, this, this thing. I don't mind taking some bumps, but to me, I'm like, oh, I'm 100% getting dodged on this concrete or I'm getting dodged on this mat. Like not a smart idea for me. Um, but yet you looked at it like you were approaching it. And I think it's the look on your face too, which was just, may I please have my upside down? I would like to start in this position. And I go, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's see how this goes. So um, how long had you been practicing this or who was the one that was coming up with that in your mind? Well, I've been, we've been playing um, crucifix and high ground games since forever you know kind of since my brother and i started um but for the ebi specifically we didn't really start digging into it until um this event we haven't really had to um do many ebi matches and actually we had some other stuff planned originally um but this this one was just like a little bit more over the top so that's why we stuck with it <laughs> understood and you know what i thought it would be the right venue so Maybe, maybe we can address them in the future. But one thing did happen for sure here, which is that the community rallied again with you. I'm sorry, rallied with you in a way that I haven't seen them do in a while. Like everybody seemed to be on the same page of, yeah, why not? Let them do it. And I was just interested to know what some of the best reactions you got because so many memes, your face for that month was just all over the place with people uh, using that that footage, that still, and and having a field day with it. So what were some of your funniest reactions that you had to some of those things? And what stuck out to you? Uh, I, there were a ton, there were a ton of memes and I can't even remember like any, any of the real funny ones, but uh, most of them were just like making fun of white belts doing stupid stuff. And, um, but I can't remember like a real great one, but unfortunately that was my only match of the night because I did lose um, that EBI uh, overtime against Felipe Pena. He's pretty good. I think he's been to ADCC Worlds before. Um, <laughs> but I did win like uh, I think favorite like competitor of the night, like they like most entertaining, which is pretty funny considering I only had one match and it was just because I sat on the dude's head. I mean, listen, dude, if you sit on most people's heads, I think it will turn other people's heads. So, yeah, I kind of get it. And there's also just a vibe of when we're watching things. You mentioned kind of getting sick of EBI. I think the issue that people have is they don't like when people game going to overtime. And I think that's kind of the issue. Then the overtime itself has some, as I've put it to people, if you win an EBI overtime, it doesn't mean your jujitsu is better. It just means we got to move along and we got to keep this thing going because, yeah. you know, we can't stay here. And God forbid those days that we used to go until no time period. There was no two minute marker and we just sit there and be like, this is never going to happen. <laughs> We're never going to go home. Yeah. Craig Jones and Fagner Rocha are probably still in overtime right now. <laughs> so having said all that, 
I am trying to get an idea of that experience and what it means in the larger part for you. So I want to ask this because you were able to parlay that into some great things. But recently, you had some competitive success at the Long Beach Open. And one thing that stuck out to me was I was walking by, I think, when I saw you kind of warming up and I knew you were doing your thing. So I just kind of keep eyes on everybody, even if I don't know them or we've never met. But I'm just kind of like, okay, he's here. He's here. And then I saw that Ben Eddy had been beaten by you. So tell me a little bit about that match because the highlights up until that were very good for Ben Eddy. Like, I think he got a savage modification of his Hindula team. And I go, look, this dude's now submitting people with extra limbs. Like, Jesus Christ. So when you see you stop that momentum, I thought, yo, that's a great moment for you. So let's talk a little bit about your recent performances at ADCC Long Beach Open. Um, the Ben Eddy match was uh, a pretty good one for me to get. I've had some bigger wins against uh, bigger names before, but I was real excited for that match because he's crazy unorthodox, and uh, I consider myself crazy unorthodox too. So it was kind of like a matchup of two guys who don't really do real jiu-jitsu, but like have found a way to make it work. Um, so I was definitely hyped for that one. We've never actually trained together. Um, just kind of like shot the shit and like sh showed moves a little bit. Um, I went to that tournament to beat Ben Eddy. <laughs> um, I, let's see, how did I win? I believe it was, um, he actually got a negative in overtime for a guard pull. Um, but it was a pretty crazy match. There were a lot of good scrambles and stuff. Um, I actually did end up getting him. I high grounded him a bunch and I actually did end up getting him in crucifix and tweaking his arm in a reversal Maplata. Um, but I was crazy hyped for that match. He'd been cleaning everyone up that, that whole tournament. So that was a big win for me. And I feel like it was kind of like a coming out party a little bit because I really haven't gotten like a ton of clout for anything that I've done. So I'm just kind of trying to get up there um, try to get on some big shows. So it's funny you mention that because <laughs> I've known Ben for a bit and his trajectory was very similar in the sense that he was working for years to, to kind of build his name and anybody who saw what he was doing early on at like local competitions, we were all amazed. We're like, this dude, there's something with him. And then you saw him get more and more elevated status through EBI and combat jujitsu, and then him hitting people with like bongo hands, like all of these things started kind of coming through. And I thought, man, I would have never guessed he would be somebody who would win in kind of combat jujitsu formats or, or that. And yet it became the perfect showcase for him. So now we all know him as like, oh, that's Ben Eddie. So yeah, the, the come up is always different for everybody. And you're right. If you have an admiration for their games, they tend to be the person that you put an X on. So that obviously was a great win for you. Um, tell me a little bit about the rest of that day then. Um, so the match started off, I mean, the tournament started off pretty tough. I had a, uh, actually, we're in the Springs. I had a Denver guy first round. Um, he wasn't someone that I had trained with before, but um, got the decision over him. Um, won another couple matches against some guys I didn't know had the Benetti match. And then in the finals, which I was really stoked for, um, I didn't actually know who he was. My brother told me, uh, Sinistro. Um, 
so he's he's a well-known guy a brazilian guy um more known for gi stuff and that match was wild we had like crazy scramble exchanges for all of regulation a finished regulation in a darce locked up trying to finish um over time i finished with i ducked him and got to his back and then time ran out and uh i really wanted that win um a lot because second place is the worst <laughs> it is uh, it, it's just getting right there, but Sinistro is a beast, dude. And it, it, it's been a minute. You mentioned more of his, uh, gi accolades and that is very true, <clears throat> but you've seen a lot of these guys start to try and be like, how am I going to do in no gi? And it's usually very good, but it does make for some interesting clashes, especially given your unique approaches to how you, you find your entries. And that had to be a blast, dude, to be able to get, uh, somebody who, has that as you are on your ascent and to know you're hanging, you're beating them, your, your margin right there with him on those kind of close kind of matches. Mm -hmm. That was a fun one. And honestly, I'm pretty bummed because I wanted to see the tape on it. Uh, um, you know, like, like I said before, there's no tape from the long beach open, none, you know, no pictures, no video of any of those matches and they were pretty wild. So so did your team get any footage by chance? Mm, so I didn't, I just went out there uh, with my girlfriend and, and a homie and I had some like buddies and stuff. Someone filmed the Ben Eddy match. So I did get to see that one, um, but that was it. So. Oh, see, we, we compete very differently. Um, I, I feel very self-conscious when I go for this one thing. It's not about the competing or anything like that. It's that I bring like a little tripod of some sort and I feel it's just goofy as fuck, but I do it because <clears throat> I'm always like, I need this footage. Like I'm a tape study guy. I want to be able to do it. And I think in time I've had some people be like, Hey, can I just film that for you? And I'm like, yes, but I will judge you. <laughs> like I will be looking to see how you shoot this. If I leave it on the tripod, I can't get mad at anybody. And at one of the tournaments, when I had it on a tripod, I put it on a certain area. It could get the whole wide view. Somebody ran me through a table, but I didn't get the table spot. And I was like, I don't want to go through a fucking table if I don't have the footage. Like, what the shit <laughs> was that? And, like, I wanted to see what the chaos was of, like, the, the monitors falling. Uh, and I was hoping, I was like, oh, I hope my opponent has this. I hope he puts it up. <clears throat> and he did put it up, but he made it seem like he got the takedown. So it was just uh -oh. both of us getting down. And I was like, my friend, no, you did one. You did not get the takedown Two, God damn it. You don't have this footage either. So I got super angry after seeing that. However, having said that, it is good that you did get that experience. I would just say this always, always, always have a phone with a tripod and just let it do its business. Even if you don't get it, you run that risk of, ugh. or I'm usually very good at assigning somebody. So even if you have your girlfriend be like, babe, <clears throat> it would really mean a lot to me if you could get this match with my friend Sinistro, because I'm about to do some crazy shit that I'm not even sure about. <laughs> so like, I would like to have it live on because I can't trust flow grappling to do something as simple as push record. So, <laughs> 
That's it. They do charge us. Anyway, that's uh, as much as I'll say about that. I do <laughs> feel, though, in your particular stance, it's unfortunate, but at the very least, you got good intel from it. So as a whole, what was like the takeaway from that Long Beach experience for you? So I, uh, I quit my job in 2021. No, I quit my job last year because I, <laughs> I had a match against Andrew Tackett. And I, it was crazy back and forth. He did dominate most of the match, but I had, we had some real good exchanges. Um, I submitted him. And that was kind of when I realized, like, oh, I can probably compete at this level. So three months later, um, I quit my job. I had another couple big wins after that. And this was kind of – and then I've had um, some success and uh, good training and stuff at B Team, kind of getting clout for them as, from them as well. And this was kind of the first one where, you know, going into it, I already felt like I was the man a little bit. Um, and I had kind of set out to go and win that tournament to beat guys like Ben Eddy and, um, you know, some of the other big names that were in that bracket. So, but the takeaway for me was just like, Hey, you compete with, you can compete with any of these guys. Like, um, it's time to put the imposter syndrome away and, uh, like, you know, start to do work and try to start to, you know, really believe in yourself and, um, because it's, you know, it's like attainable. So. That is a good takeaway. And I would say this, you know, you talked about 2021. So it's been about what, a year and a half now since. Yeah. What have you felt in that time that you have taken away the most in terms of building for yourself? Because it takes a lot to quit. And there are days I'm sure you were at the very beginning, like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know how this is going to work. But Every one of these little markers, you're probably getting more confidence. So what have you learned the most in that time that has helped you to kind of establish yourself on your own two feet without having what is known as kind of a shoot job or a regular nine to five? Well, you can't, you can't take the shot if you don't take it. That's it. <laughs> That's a hundred percent true. So I, I a hundred percent get that. Um, good on you, man. And I was curious, how did you get together with these goons? these buffoons, these yokesters, these hilarious guys over at BT, because that seems like a whole other island of nonsense and hijinks <laughs> and incredibly good jujitsu. So how did that come together? Um, right when I was starting to get um, a little serious about jujitsu, we started taking trips down to Austin just because um, Danaher's team had moved there and the B team had moved down there and we had trained with both. Um, and I just kind of worked my way up in that room um, and started having some big wins. And so now I go down there for like uh, little mini camps every now and then. And uh, I love it there. They're, they're really good. They're real welcoming and I always have a blast. Um, <laughs> Those are, you know, some of the best roles you can get in the entire world. It's so funny to me because I have covered them all in many different facets and I've interviewed them before and after B team. And it has been fascinating to watch 
them develop their personalities or to show it, I guess, is more of the answer because you couldn't convince me five years ago that Ethan Krellenston was funny. And <laughs> believe me, I had to do heavy lifting to try and make him funny. And now I see him hosting a show and it's wild to me because I'm like, this dude, I'm not even sure he wanted to be on podcast back in the day. And now here he is being like, hey man, so like, if you guys were like banging like any kind of animal, what kind of animal would you guys bang? And then you think to yourself, you're like, well, they've come a long way. So God bless the kids. Uh, we are very happy to see their success. But to me, <laughs> Ethan's probably the funniest one on that show. <clears throat> I mean, on their show, he doesn't bypass Craig. Uh, I oh, think, no, 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 no. I think Ethan is. Hmm, I go back and forth on this because I feel like Damien's the one that probably initiates it, but Ethan might be the best instigator is just from my, my limited understanding of this. So the hard part is this, I can't talk shit to them about their jujitsu. I can joke with them. Sure. And make metaphors. But when it comes to hosting, I'm like, no children. This is, this is what I do. You guys are enjoying this. But I am not terrified of any of you asking me anything or being an interviewer uh, because I'm seeing what it is. And yet I feel like I'm happy because people are responding to seeing their personality shine on these things. And I'm like, yo, you know what? This is great. They can show themselves as having fun where four years ago, I don't think they could. And that just makes me happy as a friend and an admirer of what they do. So uh, just tell them I think they're shit. You can go ahead and delay that if you want. They'll know. Uh, having said all that, I would love to know this. So you're based out in Denver, Colorado right now, right? Or no, uh, I'm sorry. Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs. I was meaning to bring it up because I would go out to Denver, my co-host for Verbal Tap for many years. He was there and I loved going to Denver. I did have one issue. That altitude training fucked me up. So is this where you're normally from? Because if so, was that just inherently built in you? It would explain the gas tank. But where is the origin story for you? Where do you come from, sir? So I'm originally from Colorado Springs. And actually, it's kind of funny. Mo Black, who I train with all the time, I like, we kind of go to the ADCC competitions together and stuff. She's also born and raised in Colorado Springs. Um, and now we both own a gym here uh, separately. So I was born and raised here. I wrestled uh, in high school. Uh, my brother also wrestled in high school with me. He went off to Hawaii once he graduated and started jujitsu. Um, I got a wrestling scholarship to wrestle in North Dakota uh, at Minot State University. So I took that offer and my brother actually left Hawaii and left his gym to go um, walk on the team. And now he actually earned a scholarship uh, shortly after. And I wrestled there for five years, coached for three um, and then eventually moved back here to the Springs, um, when my brother opened a gym in 2017. Yo, that's awesome, man. What were your first days in wrestling like? So I'm assuming you're the older brother here. Younger. Oh, you're the younger brother. Interesting. Yep. Okay. Good to know. So you, did your brother do wrestling first or did you? Uh, we both started like in middle school. I believe he was seventh grade or I was sixth grade. Copy. Okay. So what do you remember about those first days in wrestling class? Because a lot of us in jiu-jitsu don't have that background. And it also helps to explain 
how you know how to break the rules because you were brought up with the rules. So to know to break the mm-hmm. rules, that's what makes probably all of your stuff all the spicier. Because to me, I look at that and I'm like, hmm, my brain just doesn't work like that. But now when I see all of your crucifix game, I go, oh, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that all comes together now. Yeah, you have to learn the rules so that you can break them. <laughs> so tell me about uh, your first days in in, uh, in wrestling. Oh, yeah. What stuck out to you from that? Honestly, I thought wrestling was like WWE, so I was all about it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were. I thought we were going to have chairs. I don't know tables. You know the whole thing. <laughs> it's a common mistake, and honestly. <laughs> I don't know why we aren't doing more of it. Um, having said that, though, in my jiu-jitsu, I'm always finding ways to hit dumb pro wrestling moves on our training partners here. And nobody fears getting kimura by me. They're all highly afraid of getting put in a figure four somehow. They're all like, how did you hit this move? And I'm like, oh, I'm better at this than jiu-jitsu. I have done that longer. Because when I was messing around with my friends... I was like, oh, dude, I'm not bigger than this person. How do you get this move on them? And you'd find a way. Now in jiu-jitsu, I'm like, oh, yeah, leg goes here, figure four. Now it can be a heel hook at figure four, too. What do you want? Pick one. And they just laugh. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird. But when did you start kind of feeling like, okay, this isn't what I thought it was, but there's still a coolness to it? Um, I think I was addicted right away. So, um since I started wrestling in middle school, it was kind of like the only thing I thought about or wanted to do. Um, so it was a real quick transition for me. Um, it was pretty similar for my brother. The only bummer was, and it wasn't necessarily always a bummer, but we're, we were just always really funky, naturally funky and like had uh, unorthodox styles. And I think that it did help in wrestling, got a lot of wins because of it, but I think I had a lot of losses because of it too. And um, just the ability to do so many different things and really not get pinned on your back in jujitsu uh, really kind of, um, it's just been a way better fit for us based on our style. Do you mind sharing like the first wrestling move or technique that really became something that you learn quickly or that you adopted quickly banana split and i have so many pictures of me splitting kids in high school and college so many (laughs) so why that move how did that like naturally find its way into your uh move or repertoire um well really i just saw it and thought it was funny so i started splitting and splaling people um, as soon as, as soon as I saw it, leg riding, um, was a little easier for my brother and I, just cause we're kind of like skinny white guys, you know, um, not built, um, for just like the regular grind of wrestling necessarily. So, but yeah, that was definitely the first move <laughs> for me. <laughs> it's very funny because I get this, I hit electric chairs fairly frequently and I think it's because it was the first move they taught me. and. I just carried it. Like I went to a 10th planet for my first gym and they happened to be teaching it. And I was like, well, I don't quite un- have lockdown down yet because day one and I'm an idiot. But after I got it, they're like, oh, just do this. So I put it away. 
maybe three years later, I'm just doing more no-gi and I go, oh my God, I'm hitting electric chairs. So I get people who are always going like, what was that, a banana split? And I'm like, nah, not quite, but you know, it's, it's just different. And they look at, and I don't know if you have the same feeling. I'm sure you get this a lot more than I do, but they always look at me and they go, what was that? And I go, chair man um and then i i have to take a moment where i'm like i don't really feel bad but you're trying to make me feel bad and you're trying to make me think like that's some bullshit because they give you this accusatory look like sir tell me what you just hit me with and i go i i don't know man it's a it's fairly easy to do i think i'll teach it to you it's fine do you get that a lot do you get people giving you that accusation like what, what was that dude that, that what is that bullshit um, yeah, especially if I'm rolling with someone for the first time, they never know what's going on. Um, pretty much, pretty much every time I roll with someone new, they're like, what are you doing? Cause my entire <laughs> game is just wrong. <laughs> you wait, you think it's just wrong or is it just an offbeat? Because I think if you're talking like music, you can be on beat and it'd be great. But if you take the offbeat sometimes, it's the one that throws people off. I think people who see a different way in jujitsu just take the offbeat and they get other people who can only do onbeat get really pissed about it. Yeah. I mean, the reason I called the wrong way is because usually it's described as orthodox. And uh, doxa mean, no, I think ortho means um, like opinion and doxa, uh, and doxa means correct. So unorthodox means uncorrect opinion so uh yeah wrong way <laughs> noted okay well <laughs> i just wanted to make sure you understood that uh at its very smallest level i have experienced people with vehement anger and i'm like i'm not even good so i don't know what you're doing if you're rolling with somebody like you and you catch them with something i think the first word should be how did you do it and can you show me it because that tends to be my first language. And even if I'm like, oh, ow, this hurts. That's why we have tapping. So there are safety rails to be like put onto this thing where it could be a very educational thing, but I can easily see how people's egos kind of get a little ahead of them. And uh, they get a, they get a little on their feelings when they get caught with some bullshit. So I say this, but then I'll probably roll with you and be like, fuck this. What was that? <laughs> so you are out there tell me a little bit about this because now we know that you go from wrestling to eventually finding jiu-jitsu what was your first day of jiu-jitsu like do you remember that class um i don't remember the class but um basically i went out and visited my brother um in the summer between high school and college and uh i didn't really ever do any classes i've never really done much drilling at all of jiu-jitsu it pretty much i just got thrown to the wolves and then you know marcus i would just pick my brother's brain a little bit um everything pretty much everything i learned was either from him or just naturally from uh scrapping with people why do you think that is is it that i liken it to this for me which is i tell people i'm just solving puzzles essentially but I noticed that other people, they have a natural ability for their movement and they know what they can move. So they just kind of marry that to what normal aspects of jujitsu are. What is that for you? Like, why do you think that you don't need to drill 
because I'm fascinated by those who, who don't. I need to. I, that's something mm-hmm. I have to do. But when somebody tells me like, hey, my learning approach is kind of like this, sometimes I adapt it and I go, okay, cool. Why don't we try this for you? Because you see evidence of, oh, you're right. Sometimes this works a little bit better for you. Um, so why do you think that is that kind of wiring for your brain like that for this? Well, I'm a funky, I was always a funky wrestler. Um, and so I already had like, and pretty athletics so already had like the ability to move around and stuff already familiar with positions. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, I'm just always playing games. So I'm like always trying to trick you, always trying to do something that I've never done before. Um, you know, a lot of people, they'll have like a real structured, uh, way of training. My favorite way to train is to smoke some weed and then roll around with a teenager. No, that'll definitely not be taken out of context. (laughs) Okay, great. Uh, no, I think the smoking weed was a hundred percent on brand for our demo. So that's good. Um, beating up teenagers. I mean, that, that is a definite thing for everybody here to interpret their own ways. But I know for you, you definitely in doing that, there's got to be a creativity that you're doing. So it kind of makes sense because they say if you overthink things in competition, that's where you can sometimes stifle yourself. And I think when I've seen you compete, I just kind of see you make great movements with your body that I go, oh, okay. And even when I was looking through your Instagram page, I had such an appreciation for your transition work. And I feel like your ability to flow into those different transitions was what I was like, yeah, that would be difficult to kind of real time be a part of. Um, Having said that, you kind of, you know, that was your first kind of few days or whatever. I would like to know, when did you actually fall in love with jujitsu? Because you mentioned falling in love with wrestling fairly quickly, but this became a lifestyle. This became eventually a business. This became something that you're heavily invested in on the competition side. So when did you really start to feel like, man, I love jujitsu? I really liked it right away, but I feel like I didn't start loving it like I do now until I quit my job and realized that I could do it all the time instead of work. It's it's a different type of work. Let's be very clear <laughs> because I don't know if you've ever had a private that just wasn't mm, wasn't good. Uh, it can be just as bad as a desk job. It's just this is something that I think makes more sense to certain people. And uh, I like to tell my wife because I'm like, well, some days I work on a show, and that's a job, and it's hard, but I love doing that in entertainment. It's great. And then some days I go teach or I'll teach a private and I go, I love that because I love jujitsu. So it always comes back to like, no matter how hard it is, it is something that we love. But my favorite people are the, the guys who are like, yeah, I don't want a regular nine to five. And I'm like, cool. How long were you at the gym today? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I started at 6 a.m. and I'm leaving at 8 p.m. No, oh, okay. That's much better yeah. than a nine to five. You're right. Okay. <laughs> my friend, well, you ended up getting a nine to five. You just didn't know it. You in fact got more than a nine to five and there's nothing wrong with it, but you don't feel it because it doesn't suck like working for somebody else. But whenever they start realizing that they go, wait, what? I did get one. And I'm like, did you write down on a calendar, all of your appointments? I 
did. And I was like, oh, it sucks. Look at you. You <laughs> You sell out. <laughs> you make your money. No. It's all part of the design. So I think when you're saying like, you know, it doesn't quite have that same feel or it's different. It just is, man, this is something we're all addicted to. So it makes it more fun to be around. And especially if you get to app, apply this kind of natural set that you have for moving into making it something better and, and something more unique that is specific to you. That's got to be a very good feeling. Tell me about working with a brother here because I am jealous of all of these guys who have brothers who they can literally drill on days on days with. I hate it for Elias and Liam Anderson these kids, I literally, before we got on today, I saw them just drilling for hours and I'm like, dude, I'm so jealous. I didn't have a brother I could do this with. So what has been the benefit of having a brother that you can kind of continuously work with and, and drill and come up with something? Um, well, it's been pretty nice. We have uh, real similar body styles. So I was, you know, when I started, I kind of got put on a fast track because he just watched me go and then show me what he did. And, you know, um, with him and I, a lot of our like finishes are the same. Um, a lot of the positions we like to get to are the same, but all the in between is completely different. I kind of like to scrap and like move quickly, move creatively. And he really started out like more of a gee guy. He's a little more traditional in the rest of his stuff. He can get real funky, um, but he just moves like a lot slower. Um, so I think like the similarities are what helped me grow a lot. Um, and then, you know, the differences and then having us having to go against each other with those, I think really kind of elevated both of our games. That is very cool. That is also, as you mentioned, it is a very cool and, uh, quick way to fast track everything. Like having a brother that can kind of, uh, walk you through all of that has to be great. Um, do you guys own a gym together? How does that work? Because I, I saw it and I, I wasn't sure if that was the case. Yep. So um, he started Wilson Brothers Grappling in 2017. Um, I moved, moved back in 2018. Um, and, you know, we've been open since, since then. Uh, we did have like, you know, the lockdown thing that everyone had for a little bit. Um, we just ended up setting up mats in the basement and rolling around and, uh, until we opened the gym back up. Um, but the gym's been popping. Uh, we just moved into a new location, uh, about a year ago. We've got, it's in a 10,000 square foot facility. Uh, we got a ton of mat space. Um, and if you're ever in the Springs, Sundays at 11 is balling. There's so many people there. So come through. Is that the open mat that you guys have? That's, that's the open mat. Yeah. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. I, um, I remembered when I was out in Colorado, there was a burgeoning scene and there were some really good practitioners. And then I saw a little bit later, Michael Dierro's coming out there. So Denver has a very, or not Denver, but yeah, Colorado. Colorado has a very, very hidden treasure feel in terms of jiu-jitsu that uh, I have had the opportunity to see and witness there a few times where I was like, oh, y'all are fucking great here. But as I mentioned, that altitude training you know, he tried warning me and he was like, it might take you out a little bit. And I was like, jokes on you. I have no cardio, so can't take what you didn't have. And then maybe about a first round into like warm up. So I was like, what is this? Why are we doing this? So 
it helps when people are trying to murder you. You suddenly find your cardio again. So it, that part kicks back on. I'm naturally inquisitive on this part, which is, you know, you've already had a pretty good uh, past year of very solid grappling and training. What do you see happening for you in 2024? Like what is on your hit list and what are you looking to do in this next year in the grappling scene? Uh, well, we got trials coming up um, at the end of March. So I'm hoping to make a splash. I'm hoping I get a little seed, um, you know, so that I get some of the bigger names later in the tournament rather than early. Um, but other than that, I don't have any huge plans. Um, we'll be hosting our event, uh, a Wilson Bros Invitational on March 9th. And after trials, I don't really have any plans. Um, I'm just going to do more jujitsu, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely smoking like somebody who is about to smoke weed or has smoked weed, but that is uh, <laughs> the most honest answer. Let me get to this, though, because you mentioned <laughs> this, which was you guys have an invitational. So what are you guys looking for for individuals who would be competing in that invitational? Um, because you yourself are a unique person who is been brought into other invitationals. What do you guys look for specifically for your tournaments that you're running? Mm, you mean like, uh, like as an athlete, what are you looking for? Like as an athlete, because if it's an invitational, it means you have the opportunity to extend an invite to just about anybody that you guys want to see there. So if you're putting on a tournament, like what are the athletes or the attributes that you're looking for, for the people who would be competing on your tournament? Hmm. Um, well, number one is we're just mainly doing it to bring local community together. Community together. Obviously, I want big matches, but um, you know, for me, I always want uh, someone who's different, someone who's doing something uh, that's not common, because um, that's what I like to do. I tell this. Uh, I try to tell this to pe to people pretty frequently. I was, if you can't be better, just be different. I like that. That's actually a very good uh, marketing because everybody, I think the issue that we have is we see people whose games that we want to emulate. And I tell people, I'm like, definitely steal parts of their game, but don't try to be them. That doesn't work like that. Like try to interpret what they do for you and keep building on that because then somebody's going to eventually say, oh, I want to play like you played because you're your own person. But if you're just following that same path, you're going to get real disappointed when you don't hit a guillotine like Marcelo, but take the entries from Marcelo and be like, you're probably going to have a higher likelihood of getting these. And uh, I definitely try to go that route. When you mentioned that you like to see uncommon types of jujitsu, who has spoken out to you? Like who has stood out to you as an uncommon form of jujitsu? Because I think it's got to be kind of hard to surprise you. Um, so you mean like my favorite athletes? It could be your favorite athletes, but it's more so with the intention of you said that you're looking for people who are uncommon and who stick out to you as a result of that. So who has been uncommon for you on the jujitsu scene that you were like, Oh, that's memorable. I like that person. And they can be new or old. Doesn't really matter. I'm just okay. figuring for your base. I think it is difficult to surprise you. I don't think it's difficult to surprise me because I have more of a boring bread and butter kind of jujitsu. But I'm just yeah. like, who surprises the surprise guy? Well, uh, Barrett would be number one, Barrett Yoshida. 
um, Jeff Glover, uh, a big one, and someone who I would really love to train with, uh, Gary Tonin. Um, all of those unorthodox styles are something I really like to like pick at and stuff. Um, it is funny you were talking about uh, picking other people's games, but like staying true to yourself. I think it's important, um, you know, to keep that authenticity. Uh, you can't really like separate who you, you, you can't separate who you are, um, whether you're, you know, just talking to your friends or on the mat. You know, you have to be yourself all the time. And I feel like I feel like all three of those guys that I mentioned definitely do that. <laughs> they are very unique individuals in very different ways. Um, <laughs> Barrett is still out there competing and still an actual threat no matter how many times you see him. You're like, like this dude doesn't have to do it, but he does it for the love of the game. Uh, Glover is probably on a skateboard somewhere. Uh, probably <laughs> randomly showing up at some gym somewhere. And uh, I've had the opportunity to do commentary with him. And that was a very fun experience because for that exact reason you mentioned, I commentate a certain way. He commentates a certain way. And, you know, we kind of look at each other like, is this going to work? And by the end of it, he was like, that was so fucking fun. I'm like, well, I can be fun. I know how to be fun. That's not the issue. It's just how do you and I find a, a connection? And just being open and receptive to saying like, all right, you do something different. I do something different. Let's make it work. So it was a very nice opportunity to do that. And Gary Tonin, I think of those three, I think you would have the funnest time with Gary because the time that I rolled with Gary, it was just play. And it really was fascinating to watch. I think I rolled with him as a white belt, but because I had already done interviews with him at that time, he had specifically come up to me and he was like, you will be my last role today. And I was like, oh, that's not good. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, so he just came over and I remember almost wanting to exhaust tap to him because I was just like, ah, this is fucking dumb. And at a certain point, I was just so done training with him that I was like putting myself into guillotines. Like the arm was nowhere there. And I was like, no, you can finish this. This is good. <laughs> I've, I've done here. Um, it is interesting to watch how he's progressed too. And yet in his most recent fight that just happened over the weekend, as unorthodox as he can be, that game that he implemented was a perfect game of jujitsu to just get it done. Like no fuss, no muss. And it was beautiful to see. And I, I saw somebody for, I think it's open note grappling that did a little gif explaining uh, how it was he was able to, to win and I was like, dude, that's all I want from Gary. I don't want Gary getting punched in the face. Like, as much as I like making fun of him, I'd much rather talk to somebody who's not getting CTE in the face. So uh, last time when I told him, I was like, can you try not getting knocked out, dude? Because that would be great for me over here watching when you're competing in the early AMs. Well, that sounds like a pretty good 2024. I think that's amazing. I want to do this as we start to circle here, sir, you have the uh, organizations that you are doing. So let's just go through them very quickly. Uh, on March 9th, what do you have going on then? March 9th is the Wilson Bros Grappling Invitational. Um, there's, we still have registration open if uh, there's anyone wants to join. We're also doing some uh, a bunch of three-on-threes and we might have like a 16-team bracket, I think, so. Yo, that's dope. That's great. I love a good 16 person bracket. So that's amazing. You got oh, March sorry, 16. 16, 
teams, so three on threes. No, holy wait, no, no, yeah. you don't have yeah. sixteen. That's forty-eight grapplers. Yeah, is it really is cool. it three guys, three different weight classes? What is it? What are we talking here for three different? Uh, yeah, it's three guys. Uh, limit is five hundred forty pounds. Um, but we're doing. <laughs> I've done like no black belts, so just like, just up and comers, you know, white to brown, whatever. <laughs> You guys have the reverse VIP experience uh, with a, a guarded gate. You get out of here, you black belt. You're not wanted here. No, nah, no. Nah, <laughs> well, I'm we want them for... on the super fights. We want them. Okay, on the super there we go. Thank God. Uh, I wasn't sure if you were going the full Hicks and Gracie route where it's just like, I don't watch black belts. I don't watch oh, no, belts. no, no. I watch blue belts because, I mean, look at them. It's crazy. These guys kill themselves. So, all right. Good to know. And then, of course, you'll be at the trials at the end of that month. So a very, very busy month from March 9th to the end of that. I'm so sorry. Did we cover the 16th? What was the 16th? Um, I don't know if there's anything on the 16th. I got the 16th. Uh, it was something else. My apologies. I wrote down that yeah. one. I got so April 20th. We have that combat sports. That's the one. April 20th. So on April 20th, what happens with combat sports, sir? Um, they'll be coming to the Springs. We'll be hosting it uh, at Wilson Bros. We'll be live on Flow. Um, I think they're going to do some three-on-threes. Should have some championship bouts, too. Uh, it should be sick. And uh, if you need a reason to go to Colorado, 420 is probably a good one, I guess. <laughs> I mean, well, at least at the Wilson Bros. Academy, 420 should be a very busy day. So I'm just saying, <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Everybody should go indulge and go and have a very, very happy experience. Um, at the very least, I tell people this, uh, there are some people who have also been like, you know, I don't really smoke weed at all, but there are some people when they go, Is, what do you think about smoking weed and jujitsu? And I go, it depends. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, some people, it really helps them. I cannot deny that. Some people, it just opens up their creativity. And I go, the hard part is sometimes there are some people who just get lazier. And I'm like, that's not what I want. I want functioning, be creative, come up with some shit. And so people are like, what do you care? I was like, just do whatever you want, kids. Just If you ask me if it's going to help you for competition or anything like that, I don't know. Results differ from person to person. So one person's success may not be yours. But uh, I recently interviewed somebody who was like, yeah, that's when the mushrooms kicked in. I was like, you, you competed on the mushrooms? Oh, oh, I, I could not. <laughs> I don't know that I could. Godspeed to you, my guy. So everybody's got their own version of what works. Uh, sir, I want to do this real quick. Uh, I'm going to put the camera on you right now, and I want to give you an opportunity to shout out any sponsors, any friends, any training partners who have been helping you to get to the positions that you are and to give you these great performances that I have had the opportunity to witness some of, actually. And uh, like I said, it looks like you are building up a very good resume here. So I'd like to give you that opportunity to give a shout out to anybody you would like. Camera is on you, sir. All yours. All right. Well, shout out to everyone at Wilson Brothers Grappling. Um, if you're ever here in Colorado, Sundays at 11 is a good time to swing by. Um, Scramble uh, brand, they're uh, my clothing sponsor. Um, B Team, um, those dudes, I go train with them all the time and you know they really help me out, show me stuff, get good rounds in. Uh, and then really in the Springs here, we have like a good group of uh, black belts and higher level people that um, we cross train all the time, including, you know, Mo Black, Dan Reese, um, Aaron Reese. There's a couple other people, but 
like to give them a shout out as well. Um, other than that, um, I can't really think of anything. If you want to compete March 9th or April 20th, Colorado. That's what's up. We will definitely be plugging that as we get closer to those days. And shout out Mo Black, who was one of our top 10 interviews of last year. Just a delight of a human being. Like, I never know what to expect when I do these things. I just always come in pretty positive and happy. And she was far exceeding my brand of positivity and, and usual, like, upbeatedness. I was like, yo, she's great. She's really good as a guest. So uh, I, I feel like you guys are very lucky to have that ADCC trials champ uh, within your vicinity because she's the best. Yeah, amazing training partner. Probably my best training partner. Well, that is even better to hear, but there's good reason for that. And I'm very stoked for the future for both you and her, sir. I'm going to close this up, but I will officially say bye to you off air in just a second. But my appreciation to you, um, I'm glad that I got to know the guy behind the moniker Officer Grimy because <laughs> I feel like Officer Grimy is a good moniker, dude. I feel like that's a good brand. And uh, I, like I said, I didn't know if there was a brother officer grimy. I didn't know if he goes by that. I didn't know what he goes by or any of that sort of stuff. But I feel like we got a better sense of who you are and what to expect in the near future, sir. Yeah, it's actually my brother's Marcus Trick. Marcus Trick. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Hey, listen, <laughs> all of you guys at this point, whenever I, I do that <laughs> and you know somebody like that, it's just like when my kids met my wife the first time they go oh hi mrs raff and i'm like she has it <laughs> like get the fuck out of here guys so i i always laugh because i go well we don't know is there a, a dad grimy you don't get these things but you learn them very quickly um continued success to you my man keep it up and like i said i'll talk to you in just a second off air sir all right, guys, that's going to about do it for us. But before we get on out of here, a couple quick reminders. First and foremost, like, comment, subscribe. If you don't know what you want to talk about in the comment section, I would love for you to do this. Tell us if you get high before you go train. That's it. Just a yes, no, spark it up, 420, I don't care. Tell us what it is that you do. What is your pre-training regimen? And you can put that in the comment section. Also, if you want to check out these interviews, check us out at Patreon Grappling Hour and find these interviews 30 days before anybody else for just five bucks and for a few extra dollars more, you can catch extra bonus content, mini-sodes, tape breakdowns, and a segment we called Roast Graph where people roast my competition footage. Go check that out. That is at patreon.com, Grappling Hour. Continuing on, you can join our Discord at Grappling Hour and... You can also do a couple of the following things. You can also go support us by getting some of these shirts, these Grappling Hour t-shirts, and you can go on over to rafasparza.com backslash merch to get that, and or one of these, check this out. Ooh, I hate this noise this thing makes, so I'm very sorry, it's very loud. But you gotta see the, the hoodie. The hoodie's 45 bucks, t-shirts 25. Combo of the both of them together is 460 bucks, so. Support the show. Support us here. We appreciate it all. And uh, that's going to probably do it for us, you guys. We appreciate you for watching this episode. It has been a great day for grappling. We'll see you back on the mats.